Hey guys, before we get into the show, I'd like to take a moment to introduce our podcast partners, Script Up. Script Up is a new coverage service created to help screenwriters improve their writing and unlock the potential in their stories through detailed feedback reports and video call consultations. I have personally vetted their services and I can honestly tell you they will provide a detailed analysis of your script along with useful notes and even a biography of the reader so you know exactly who is reading your script. Head to scriptupstudio.com and enter discount code TSN10 for 10% off today. And now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Screenwriters Network podcast. The Screenwriters Network is the largest Discord server of screenwriters in the world. And on this show, we interview members of the community. I'm your host, Smish, and I'm going to be interviewing screenwriter Scott Barkin, also known in the server as Barky. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks for being here. Hello, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So to give our listeners a little background on you, you are a professional screenwriter based in Philadelphia. You and your uh, writing partner, Greg Zehetner, have two produced features and have sold and optioned numerous original feature screenplays. Your psychological horror feature, I'm Just Fucking With You, was produced by Bloomhouse and Hulu and premiered at South by Southwest in 2019. Your most recent spec, The Sun Always Sets in the West, is currently set up at Lionsgate with Danny McBride's Rough House Pictures producing. You are also a member of the WGAE and you are repped by Mainstay Entertainment and CAA. So, Scott, explain to us how you started this whole journey. How did you get into screenwriting? Um... That is a great question. It was not Thank on purpose. <laughs> um, no? It's been a really long uh, journey for us, me and Greg. We met uh, in high school. We went to high school together. And so we're sort of oh. been, you know, best friends since we were around, you know, uh, I guess like 14, 15 years old. Um, nice. And, but we met uh, playing music. So I've like a whole other life as a professional musician. And that's like, was my main focus for many, many years. <clears throat> um, and that's how we met. We played in a band together in high school and stuff. Um, and we, and after high school, uh, after college and everything, we've sort of had a musical uh, professional relationship in addition to being friends. And we sort of got into screenwriting just like as a, hobby you know like in high school with our friends and stuff you know music was always our main focus but we would just like for fun a lot of the time just like make sketches and videos and stuff that was like completely uh unrehearsed or you know we weren't writing scripts or anything we were just sort of like turn on the camera and just be uh goofballs or whatever right. and you know that sort of started in high school and progressed in uh seriousness and like making these like ridiculous videos um over the years and through college and then you know once we were into college i remember we tried to make a, a short that was like somewhat ambitious and then it suddenly occurred to us that you know people actually write down things before they say them and they plan the shots before they right. turn the camera on. And it's just sort of, sort of suddenly occurred to us that there's like a craft to, to doing what we had just been sort of goofing around with. Um, even though we, you know, it's like, I don't know why we were so stupid because obviously we love movies and we're always going to movies and watching them. And we were, you know, just sort of like oblivious, I guess, <laughs> to thinking about it's like, Oh, this is like a Tom Cruise movie. Like it's not, written by anyone it's how he just gets up there and says the words right? <laughs> right um so like so after that sort of like epiphany then we started looking into you know like well how would we go about writing a script and greg wound up um taking a screenwriting class in his last uh semester at nyu and um that really, like, he, he, for some reason, his professor allowed him to work with me on all his classwork, even though I didn't even go to school there. Um, and so we started, like, co-writing, 
like more officially, I guess, um, through that process. I mean, we had been writing stuff like trying to figure it out, but we wrote like our first like sort of legitimate script in that class. Um, and then that was like really what, you know, when we had started like really trying, not fully understanding, but trying to understand like structure and, um, you know, the hero's journey and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> and so after doing that, we sort of caught the bug, I guess, of uh, uh, like, you know, really trying to see like, can we write a script and sell it? You know, because up to then we had just been writing stuff for us to film, you know, that was like really not serious. Um, and uh, we wrote our first script. Well, well, like I said, we started in that class. <clears throat> and then I think we did finish a draft in that class, but then afterwards, uh, you know, sort of polished it up. And that wound up being like the first thing we ever optioned, um, though it took a, it took a while. Um, this was like um, 2000, well, that, uh, 2002, I graduated. I think I'm a year ahead of, or did we graduate the same year? I can't remember. It was 2002, 2003-ish. Um, and we had written this script and it was uh, a like superhero script based on uh, Santa Claus. It was, or the son of Santa Claus. It was called Young Santa. And the, and the idea was what if um, the son of Santa Claus decided he wanted to use his Christmas powers to fight crime instead of deliver presents. So he was, you know, a very angsty sort of teenage son of Santa Claus and was like, why are we, you know, uh, you know, we've got all you know, these reindeer and all these magic powers and we're putting, we're wasting them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, giving presents to children. <laughs> and um, so this was, I mean, it was like a, if it was made today, it would be like a $200 million. <laughs> it was insane, you know. Um, but we were really naive and just felt like, oh, this is this is really fun. And so we flew out to L.A. I mean, we had no contacts in the industry whatsoever. And um, just had heard about, we had started reading, uh, you know, like creative screenwriting magazine and stuff was like, pretty popular at the time is, you know, really before there were so many internet resources for screenwriting and stuff. And they had been just started doing this thing called the uh, Screenwriting Expo, um, which was, yeah, it was like around 2003 or 2004, I guess, which was like a big screenwriting conference where you could go and hear a bunch of panels and lectures and stuff. But also they had a pitch fest. Um, which was something we had never heard of before. Um, but we thought, well, okay, well, we'll fly out to LA. We'll do this pitch fest. We'll get in front of some people. We'll tell them about our awesome script and <laughs> it'll be a piece of cake. <laughs> and so we did that, you know, like really just having no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And it wound up going surprisingly well. Um, and we got, a, you know, a lot of people interested in the script, a few companies like wound up working with us, developing it, and um, we ultimately wound up optioning it. It took this whole process, you know, like from when we did that pitch fest um, to optioning it, probably was like two or three years. Um, but we ultimately wound up optioning it to a company that we met through. Actually, I think we had gone to that one, and then we went. We had gone to that one like two years in a row. And then we also went to some in New York. So we had been doing this like pitch fest thing. It was like the only way we could really figure out how to like get into the business because we were just had no contacts at all. And so through doing that, we started to build up some contacts and people were responding to the idea, even though and I think the script itself, everyone agreed and <laughs> needed some work, but it was like an exciting idea to a lot of people. Um, so that helped a lot. and. Um, we ultimately wound up optioning it to this guy, Michael Uslin, um, who is uh, the guy who owns Batman, <laughs> all the television and film rights to Batman. And so he, so he <laughs> was just starting a new production company at the time, like looking for superhero sort of concepts. And he really latched onto it. <laughs> um, so that became our first like option. And... It, you know, it was pretty, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty 
for us, it was like, wow, they're going to really give us money for this. It wasn't, wasn't as hard as uh, everyone said it would be. Amazing. But <laughs> so then we like very naively um, moved out to LA and we're like, oh, we're, we're on the, the Hollywood ride now. And like, developed it with them for like a couple of years and it was like a crazy experience because they had all these people involved like there was a big director got attached to it this guy peter siegel um who did all these adam sandler movies like 50 first dates and um like anger management i think and nice um so that was like our first experience like working with a big director and um and they had mattel toys became involved <laughs> to like oh develop my God. or no 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 hasbro sorry hasbro <laughs> and so we were getting like concept drawings of like who the, the characters would look like and stuff and so we were like wow this is really happening and so that's like what prompted us to move to la and then mm -hmm. like very shortly after we got to la um the company wound up getting in like a legal battle with their investors and all this stuff like all this stuff that had nothing to do with the movie but all their projects wound up getting frozen and ours just oh, like no. went in the garbage <laughs> and oh, so it was like a real classic you know sort of meteoric rise in our minds of thinking mm -hmm. like oh they were we've arrived and then it just totally fell off a cliff um and then like right after that the uh 2008 like economic collapse happened shortly after and so we were in LA and the writers were on strike and it was just like wow okay I guess it's not going to be <laughs> as easy as we thought it would um so then uh, from that point on we were really sort of licking our wounds and like you know obviously writing other scripts and um trying to you know find another foothold in the industry because that you know whole thing like just sort of dried up and all the the contacts we we made through that process didn't wind up leading anywhere else you know except we had one guy that we met at one of these pitch fests who sort of became who was like a you know a moderately successful screenwriter he had sold some specs and he had uh written done some studio assignments and stuff and he sort of like took us under his wing um and sort of mentored us um which was really the thing that ultimately helped us like penetrate in the industry in a deeper way because he you know sort of believed in our writing and even though we were we were writing a bunch of stuff that he was like consistently saying like no it's not good enough it's not good enough <laughs> but he would also be like you know you guys like are on the right path you know um right. and so he was very supportive and it really just came down to like you know we've written you know probably 10 or those scripts that and we were also doing comedies like we had young santa was a comedy we'd written it was an action comedy and we had written a bunch of other like sort of high concept comedy scripts big broad comedies because that was like um what was like really popular in the sort of mid-2000s there was a lot of you know like dodgeball and zoolander right. and like all, all that kind of stuff um so and and we were really drawn to that um just like you know was, that was stuff we'd like to see and so we were you know writing scripts like that but then you know one thing that we sort of realized along the way is those were just really hard to get people into because you know comedy generally you need to get like a list sort of talent attached to get like a comedy script off the ground and that was really hard and i think that's still the case today like it's why comedy is such a hard thing to sell um because you it's, it's often written by the performer you know like um who is going to you know appear in the movie you know like zoolander mm -hmm. is a perfect example of that you know ben yeah. stiller is gonna write it he's gonna star in it he's gonna direct it it's hard to like sell a, a spec like that because mm. you know people who can fill theaters with that kind of material are generally writing their own material you know um right. so that was like a big roadblock for us and then we started to think well maybe we should try our hand at some other stuff and the funny thing was we were huge horror movie fans and had never written a horror script even though like often when we would be like let's sit down and watch a movie we would go and gravitate towards writing a horror or, i mean watching horror and so we finally were like maybe we should try our hand at a horror script and that's really was like a big turning point for us because horror is so much more <clears throat> accessible 
as a genre, like as far as trying to sell something, it's so, so much mm-hmm. smaller budget. And that really like clued us into, you know, zeroing in on sort of different like high concepts that you could do in horror and thriller stuff, which we hadn't like thought that much about because we had just been thinking about these big, broad comedy ideas. Um, and so this guy, uh, his name's Dwayne Smith, um, started to respond, you know, I think a little more to our like horror material. And once we finally got him a script that he felt like was up to snuff, then he was um, like, I'm going to put all my sort of weight behind this to try and help you guys sell this. And um, he did. And that was really like how we wound up bringing it, even though it was like a over a 10 year process. Um, right. I think wow. our, the first script we like sold was 2014 and that was through him. Um, like he sort of acted as like a mentor slash manager for us, even though we never gave him any money. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice guy. Well, he, he wound up getting money cause he did ultimately attach as a producer on, on one of our movies that he really helped with. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, he, made, he did ultimately make money, but not nearly enough <laughs> to justify like the 10 plus years he put into, you know, whipping us into shape. Nice. So you're optioning scripts, you sell your first one. How long is it until you see your first film produced? That was in, I want to say 2016 or 17. I can never remember. I think, I think we think we sold that script. The first one that was produced uh, was a script called bleed, uh, which I, I think I talked about on the other uh, podcast I was on uh, with the group of professionals. Um, yes, and it's and, in our script hub if anyone yes, wants in, to read it. Hub, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we sold that in, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like the early 2017. It was a crazy fast track thing. Like we had gotten it to Circle of Confusion and they were like shopping it around for like a year and no one was biting. Um, and then they sort of had given up. And so we had sort of given up. And this began, I think, in like 2015-ish. And then one day, um, we uh, found out that the people that had bought our first script, um, um, I think Dwayne, again, got this into their hands. And then they were like, oh, we want to do this one as well. And then it just sort of wound up getting fast-tracked. So we sold it. I think we signed the paperwork or got paid like around February in 2017. And then it was shooting in May of 2017, which was really wow, crazy. That's fast. Yeah. It went really, really fast. Um, which I don't know why I have no idea what like motivated them to <laughs> suddenly just be like, we got to crank this out, but they did. Um, so we were on set in for like all of May of that year. And then it came out, um, about nine months later or something like that. I can't remember the exact date, but um, yeah, it came out in 2018. And that was a crazy experience just to like actually be on set and like see, you know, a whole crew of people um, (laughs) and some actors we had known, you know, our whole lives were in it, like Robert Patrick, (laughs) which was like a a really fun thing. You know, you know, it's like T2 is probably it's i mean it's definitely in my top 10 favorite movies of all time so to just have him in the movie was really cool and um it was it was nuts we got to see them drive a bus off a cliff (laughs) and we're just like (laughs) wow we wrote that and they're doing it wow yeah i mean Um, what is that like to be there on set are you involved at all like are the actors talking to you or are you just kind of hiding somewhere? Yeah, I mean, well, I'd say there's a real valuable lesson, I think, in our experience on set um, because we were not invited to set. Oh, <laughs> and the, yeah, and we um, just like knew it was happening. And <laughs> um, we were like, it was, they were shooting in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we, um, like you said, I live in Philadelphia, Greg lives in New York. And we were just like, well, there's no way we're not going to (laughs) go. So we just (laughs) went down there and showed up 
and we're just like we're here we're the writers and everyone was just like okay (laughs) well (laughs) welcome i guess and so we sort of um muscled our way in and and they didn't pay for you know we paid for our own hotels and everything but they didn't like they didn't send us away because i think they knew that would not be a cool look Mm -hmm. um so they let us hang around and um it turned out to be such a great thing for us to do because we met all of the actors and everyone else and that like being there directly led to our next movie getting made because we connected with one of the actors um, and we were thinking to ourselves like, oh, he would be great to play this one part in our other spec that we had written. Um, And so we just pulled him aside um, one day, you know, while they were shooting and we were just like, listen, we've got this other script. We think you would be awesome for it. Do you want to read it? <clears throat> and he was like, yeah, sure. He is like, I, he really loved the script that, you know, for Bleed, which was why he was starring in it, you know? So we felt like mm-hmm. we had a little, a little cachet um, to get him to read something. And he's, you no, know, he was not like a huge movie star or anything, but he's a, uh, this guy, Rock, uh, Rockman Dunbar, who has, you know, been in a lot of TV shows and stuff. And He's currently on like 911 on CBS. I think he plays like Angela right. Bassett's husband or something. Okay. Um, anyway, um, but he would have been great for this part and we had been getting along with him. And so he said he would read it. And like, it was a crazy experience where he, we like gave it to him and we were watching him. We were like sitting on set and he had it on his phone and like between takes was just like reading the script um and we were just sort of sitting across the room like watching him read our script like in real time and it was like very uh nerve-wracking yeah yeah (laughs) and then at the end of that day he just came over to us and was like yo i love this script and we're like wow that's awesome and so he took it upon himself he was like i want to star in this and i want to direct it was what he said at first and so he took it to his managers and they took it it ultimately wound up at blumhouse and that is like how we got in there to and that became that's i'm just fucking with you is that script um so he was originally gonna be the like main antagonist in that movie again and this this always happens like scheduling he wound up not even being able to do it which is really interesting because he was going to oh, direct rip. it and he was going to star in it he wound up <laughs> because of his schedule with 911 the tv show not even being able to do it but he became uh. a producer and he got it into Blumhouse um and so if we hadn't like made that bold decision to like go be on mm-hmm. set even though we weren't invited mm-hmm. we like never would have connected with him then he we never would have gotten the script to his like management who ultimately helped get it to Blumhouse and um <clears throat> and then they became our managers and they hooked us up with CAA. So that's how we got signed to CAA. So it was like this huge chain of events that happened just because we didn't sit at home while they were shooting our movie. And if we had, I mean, Bleed, uh, as much as I love the script, you know, the movie came out and it, uh, you know, nobody cared. <laughs> so it's like, um, and it, it's like, people at home didn't care, but also no one in the industry cares about a movie like on that level, you know, it's just like, it's, it's okay. You know, it's like, it's certainly not bad. Like there it's good to show that you've had a movie produced, but if we had Mm -hmm. not done that, I think it's very possible that like bleed would have come out and then we just would have been sort of back to square one after Mm -hmm. that, you know? So, you know, I, the, the takeaway I think is to just at least, and we've like tried to do this. We, um, with everything since then is just put yourself out there, make, you know, bold <laughs> choices, mm-hmm. introduce yourself to people. Don't take no for an answer, you know, cause they did not <laughs> invite us to go there, but we were just like, so what, this is our movie. We're not yeah. going to miss it. You know, you got to um, shoot your shot. Yeah. It's amazing mm-hmm. how one thing leads to another. So what, doors did this open for you once you had the produced film on your resume like aside from the fact that you met someone on the set and and that directly helped you get your next thing produced does it change how you are viewed um, or respected as a screenwriter once you have a produced film under your belt i mean it depends on who you're talking to i think you know um 
for you know obviously so there are like writers and stuff yes and there's and amongst other you know like what you're aiming to do in the business you know depending on where you're at i think it does like i think as far as like trying to get management for example um yes i think they want to see that but like the it depends the movie was on such a level that it's not like a slam dunk you know like like i was saying Mm -hmm. like a lot of people didn't care you know nobody heard about the movie and so you know if we went to um people of a certain level in the industry they would be like that means nothing but as far as like management is concerned to be able to say yes someone did think this script was good enough to invest five million dollars into making it at has some weight to it regardless of how well the movie came out you know um gotcha but but for us you know like our managers really wound up signing us you know like they knew that their client was starring in our movie and that he brought them uh, another script from us that he liked and they still weren't like we're signing you you know they were like we're helping you get this script made mostly for our client you know <laughs> uh, who <laughs> wants to star and direct in it um then through that whole process of working with, on that movie with them, you know, they had notes on the script. Blumhouse had notes on the script. We had to do a bunch of rewrites and like, you know, um, we had to write a bunch of different endings, for example. You know, it's just like working mm-hmm. with them. They saw that we had like a certain work ethic and that we were able to execute notes and things that people were asking for. And then even then they weren't like, we're signing you. It was only then when we gave them next spec which they thought was really great and they thought they would be able to sell that they finally were like okay you guys are gonna like become real clients of ours so it's like not um it's not like a slam dunk once you have a movie produced you know that people are going to just be like okay you're obviously you're going to get signed now because then that still didn't get us an agent yet. It would, then they had to send our, our like newest script out and they, you know, luckily our managers, you know, are pretty well established. So they had contacts at all the different agencies and we got a ton of reads and we got a bunch of meetings and we like ultimately got to pick who we wanted to be repped by, which was cool. Amazing. Um, yeah, that's it great. Was nice. We got to be like wine and dined a little bit. Oh, oh my! <laughs> um, yeah, we got like taken out to meals and stuff, <laughs> um, which was Fancy. pretty fun because we've never been on like that side of things, you know, where people were actually pitching us to like work with them, um, which was nice. Yeah, that's amazing. I probably went on a major tangent there. but <laughs> No, no, no. It's all good stuff. So everything that you write, you co-write with Greg. What yeah. is your process when you're writing together? How long do you spend outlining? Do you talk on the I guess you do talk probably on the phone. Yeah. You mentioned he's in New York. Just tell us a little bit about your process. Yeah, we have like, a, I think, a somewhat unique process for co-writers. Um that really just stems from the fact that we have known each other for so long um, that, you know, we're like sort of the kind of friends that just like always, you know, know what the other one is thinking. And we have like Mm -hmm. the same thoughts about things. Um, And I don't know, just the way our relationship has evolved. We have never been the types of writers that like, um well it's like you write a scene and then i'll write a scene or you write half the script and i'll write half the script and then we'll put them together like we are because i think our relationship was born out of just sort of joking around with each other like the old shorts and stuff that we used to make and writing comedies you know just like that interplay um is such a big part of our process that we just do everything literally at the same time (laughs) so even though now we're we're on uh we we write over facetime mostly but we haven't always lived in different places like depending on you know whatever year you're talking about sometimes we've both lived in the same spot sometimes we haven't um and so um we just got used to sitting in the same room 
spitballing ideas and you know writing them down brainstorming um and that just never changed for us so even though when i moved to a different city we just got a facetime we do the same thing and when we're writing the script we write in google docs so it's a shared document um and one of us is typing um we're both looking at the document and we're on the phone or on facetime or whatever and we're just like doing literally every moment of it at the same time together um and I, it's just the way that works for us and i've always wondered how different uh you know writing partners who do pass a script back and forth do it because i just for us it just seems like every moment of the script needs such deliberation because there's so much of a ripple effect you know so it's like well if i'm writing a later scene and you're writing an earlier scene how are you going to know that the decisions you make are not going to cause some kind of ripple that is going to make the scene i'm writing later not make sense <laughs> you know right. um so i've never understood really how writers do that but um we just basically go linearly through the script every line you know one line at a time together thinking about every ramification of every word um sort of as a single unit um, yeah well i guess it depends on what you are able to do scheduling wise because i do co-write as well and i co-write two different people and one of them it's always in real time and we're actually speaking on like discord voice um, and uh -huh. we're we use final draft like collaboration. So we're like typing in the same document in real time. But my other co-writer has a very different schedule from me. And so we have no choice. So he'll write like three pages in the morning and send it to me by 8 a.m. And then. I will write like ideally the next three pages and then we just go back and forth like that. Um, it's definitely more ideal to be writing at the same time, especially yeah. just to have both of your input on every, every word, right. you know? Yeah. 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 It is. It is really, it's, it's interesting. It's like, sometimes I think, Oh, it's, we could probably move a lot faster if we decided to just be like, you write this scene, I'll write that scene and then we'll put them together. Um, <clears throat> but I think the, the upshot is our first drafts, I think, come out more like second or third drafts because we have labored over every moment so much and pushed mm -hmm. each other to, um, you know, like not settle for, you know, whatever the, like the first thought is or the second thought, you know, and just really try mm -hmm. and like get ourselves to you know, the freshest idea. Um, and I think because of that, and because we're both like so laser focused on it, it uh, like the first drafts generally feel like pretty polished mm -hmm. um, that we have. Excellent. We also yeah. like to to your other question. Uh, we spend a lot of time outlining, which okay. is not something we always did. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> famously to each other, we always joke about <laughs> our very first like script we ever tried to write. Like before it was even, you know, we were typing it, we were like writing down on like loose paper and we got to the the end of the story and we literally just on this piece of paper wrote, take it to the hoop. <laughs> just thought, well, that's the end of the movie. We'll just know uh, what to do. And of course, it, when we got to that part, we were like, what is supposed to happen now? <laughs> you know, um, so like over the years, we've gotten more and more into outlining and certainly in like the last you know five six years since we've really started getting traction everything that we've sold um has been like meticulously outlined you know mm -hmm. um and i couldn't i really couldn't imagine not outlining a script i know some people that's like their method and god bless them <laughs> you know, <it's> just <laughs> like i don't i don't get it i'll never mm -hmm. get it but um because it's just like you also do our outlines super detailed and they basically sort of slowly morph into the script as we're going along you know um mm. which is another one of like the interesting advantages of working in like google docs the way we do is we're both looking at this document and it just starts with just uh you know a big list of ideas you know we'll have a concept and think about like well what what will be the fun scenes that we're going to see with this concept and have a big list of ideas and who will be the characters that will make sense for this concept and these ideas and then that goes in and it just sort of slowly grows and grows and grows until we have you know 
usually around like a 15 or 20 page sort of short story version of the movie. And then that will then just break down line by line in the way we've written it. And then those will just expand into scenes and dialogue, you know? And so within the Google, we always, we stay within the Google, the same Google document mm -hmm. until the very end of the process. Um, so only when it's totally done, then we will copy it into um, screenwriting software. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does that work with the formatting for dialogue and stuff? Um, well, we use Highland and oh, okay. Highland has like the fountain syntax or whatever. So if you just write it, it's very simple. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's like think dialogue if you just write you know a character's name and then under it the line that they're saying it's just justified to the left when you put it into highland it automatically formats it um okay. appropriately so nice. it's like that's the other thing is like we don't writing it that way we never have to really think about formatting the only thing you have to think mm -hmm. about is putting in um like uh if you want to bold something or underline it there's like asterisks and different like mm -hmm sort of pseudo coding you have to do. So when you put it into Highland, it knows what you want. Um, but other than that, it's just like so, so easy. And I love not having to think about formatting basically at all uh, while we're actually writing, you know? Nice. Yeah, that sounds freeing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me, what is the plus one method? <laughs> you know, I had to um, ask you that. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's something that you know. I, you know, I've got to be totally honest. I didn't not coin that term. <laughs> um, I don't know where I heard it. I heard it in an interview somewhere from someone, and one day someone will tell me, "Oh, I know where it came from." But <laughs> so you're not going to be trademarking it. Well, we are. We have decided that we're we're because we're starting a production company because we want to get into producing because we like uh, have. Uh, don't have enough time to write, you know, everything that we want to write. And so we've been going through this process. Anyway, our production company oh. is going to be called uh, Plus One Productions. Oh. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yes. Um, anyway, so the idea of the Plus One is something that really, like, helped us in our thinking about concepts um, that we were picking and, and to write and trying to figure out a way to not just keep writing movies that have already been written. Um, <clears throat> so the basic idea is you have, you know, I, I think I used this example last time, but you have like your home invasion thriller, which is like a whole genre unto itself, like a, a subgenre of, you know, thrillers in general. Um, and there are tons of those movies that exist where it's just like, People are in a house, some bad guys show up, then the whole thing is contained within the house and, you know, you have whatever sort of standardized type of action that unfolds in those situations typically, which will generally involve things like running around and hiding, you know, uh, finding a gun, finding a way to make a phone call, um, those kinds of scenarios that are sort of standard mm -hmm. for that kind of situation. And, you know, we had been in our attempts to f write something that people would buy, you know, you hear all the time, write something contained, write horror, um, write thriller. And the, the problem with just like doing that <clears throat> is you wind up writing something that's already been written. Um, and you're not going to bring something fresh to those situations if your only goal is well i'll write a home invasion thriller because they're cheap to make um and people seem to buy them you know um <laughs> so the idea of the plus one is to take a standardized sort of situation like that um and ask yourself what is a layer an element that i can add to this that is going to make it um, stand out from other movies in this same subgenre, you know. So for us, you know, the the sort of real breakthrough <laughs> that we had with that was with our script Bleed, um, 
which we just have this idea, well, what if the guy was um, stabbed in the heart and, you know, playing on this urban legend that they say, if you leave the knife in, you won't die, <laughs> you know? Um, so the idea right. was he's bleeding to death slowly. He's got this knife in his heart. He can't pull it out. And given that, how is that going to impact the action of the story? So now he's really weak. He's really slow. He can't run around and fight and shoot and do all that stuff that is sort of the default stuff that you would have in, in that genre. So he's got to, you know, be clever. And we've got to see how does having this knife in his heart the whole time and being slowly bleeding impact every scene in the story. And because it it's such a big uh, plus one, it does have a ripple effect that gets into every moment of the movie. And therefore, by the end of it, you wind up with something that feels kind of fresh. And because you're not, if you're true to the idea and the struggle of, that the character has, you can't fall back on any of those sort of tropes of the genre. You've got to find new ways to do stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's like the basic concept, you know, but it can apply to, you know, it's not just like, you know, a haunted house movie, for example. Um, like a lot of people make the mistake of writing a haunted house movie and then um, just like it's the same as all other haunted house movies where a person mm -hmm. moves into a haunted house and they start having paranormal experiences and then they find that somebody was killed there and then they have to go unearth the mystery of what happened to them mm -hmm. and you know been the there, result is what's that oh i said been there done that yeah <laughs> and so the result of that whole process if, with if you don't have a plus one is you wind up with a movie that's incredibly familiar to people um but like an example of a movie that adds a plus one to that situation is, and it's, this is regardless of whether or not you think the movie is great or not, but um, the movies that came out a few months ago on Netflix called Eli, um, where it's about a kid, and this was a blacklist script, I think, and this is like a good example of like how a script winds up on the blacklist. It's by having, I mean, one of the ways that gets people's attention is by having an idea like this. Um, about a kid who moves it, uh, it into a haunted house but the twist is or the plus one is that he has a disease that um, he can't like be exposed to air in the real world so he's got to be in this bubble and the house is hermetically oh. sealed um, wow. and so when he's in the house he starts experiencing hauntings he by virtue of the concept cannot just run outside of the house. He can't leave because he would die. So he's forced to stay in this situation. And that winds up coloring all the different action that happens, right? So that's like an idea, an example of, of a plus one. You know, a, a quiet place is another plus one. You know, it's like we've seen alien invasion movies. We've seen monster movies. But these specific monsters respond to sound. And that changes the entire world and the, all the action of the movie to be unique. You know? Yes. Something we haven't seen before. I mean, it's funny because I, I've had this conversation with so many people, but it really does boil down to the old like Hollywood cliche of the same, but different, mm -hmm. you know, which people have heard so many times that they don't even like take it seriously anymore. But, you know, somehow <laughs> this idea of plus one has like, clicked a little more clearly at least for for me in my mind like when i think of it that way it's like really helps me understand okay i need a familiar thing but i need to add to it something that i have not seen before and then the, and the other thing is you got to hold yourself to a really high standard of saying like have i seen this before is this is this is it plus one enough you know um because mm -hmm. you know at this point in film history we have you know a hundred years of movies behind us and like a lot has been done though i don't believe that everything has been done even though everyone always says that um i think there's always a new combination of elements and that's like really what you're 
looking for, I think. Absolutely. Uh, well, that segues really nicely into my next question, because you are actually a judge for several screenwriting competitions. We won't say which ones, but yeah. what would you say helps a screenplay stand out for you in these contests? Well, certainly concept is a big one. You know, it's like I've read so many scripts at this point that, you know, it's they're never surprising and that's like really an issue and th and then sometimes they'll have an idea that does have some promise in that way where i'll read the, the whatever log line they submit and i say okay that uh, there's something to that that i it doesn't seem like i have seen before but then in the execution of it they will not fully exploit the parts of it you know, that were seeming fresh to me, you know, mm -hmm. so they'll, it'll be like a setup. This is another one of our, like, uh, you know, like terms that we have, <laughs> Greg and I, when we're, you know, stress testing our ideas, this idea that we call the, the magic amulet. And it's like, the, the point is you have a setup to a movie and then you have the, the second act. And when you arrive at the second act, if you can say to yourself, well, if a magic amulet transported me, my character to this point, you know, and then there was nothing specific about this idea that forced new scenes, um, would it still be a good idea? Because a lot of people get seduced by the setup of an idea. And they'll be like, oh, I've never seen a movie where, you know, X, Y, or Z happens. Like this happens all the time with haunted house movies, in fact, where they're like, um, oh, it's it's a new idea because the way they got to the haunted house is new or the way that the person was killed there is new, but then the second act is all the same stuff that we've seen, you know? Um, so this idea of the magic amulet is something we always ask ourselves, like what if a magic amulet caused this person to be <laughs> in this, like forget about the setup. When we arrive in the second act, would we still have anything new to experience, you know? Um, so that's a big problem I see in in a lot of these contest scripts is if there usually there's no new concept, but if there is one or a kernel of one, they don't figure out how to play with it in a fun new way, and they sort of fall back into tropes and cliches. So those are the like conceptual issues that often there, and and then the other big things are like structure is frequently a problem and i think that comes from like uh you know screenwriting sort of doctrine about like page counts and uh, stuff that you have to hit which i do believe in to a certain extent you know I, I do i think proportionally certain things your script will probably be better if certain things happen at certain points rather than if you ignore them but the thing that like a lot of people miss is that structure is not just like about plot events but it's about every like major structural tentpole. It's actually a moment of character choice and a character action. And so they'll get to a point where like, okay, well, got to like break into act two now. And so I will have a big thing plot wise happen to the character, but it is not about whether, you know, the break into act two really should be about a character making a choice to push forward on whatever their journey is despite their reluctance, you know, for example, you know, so there's people be like, oh, well, on page 30, I had, you know, this car accident happened. And so now we're in act two, right? It's like, no, actually, your script feels like your proportions are all off because your characters are not making choices that move the story forward, you know? Um, nice. So that's like a big problem is the, the connect, you know, it all comes plot, structure, character, like it's all got to be interwoven and you can't just have a character floating through the story pushed around by the plot because you think something needs to happen on page 30 or whatever you know right nice yeah you can't see me right now but i am nodding my head that is really good advice <laughs> so you actually you provide a lot of feedback in our server the screenwriters network and other you know online screenwriting communities you give a lot of yourself um and you give a lot of thoughtful feedback why do you take the time to give so much 
to strangers online? And what is your thought process on providing feedback? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Thanks, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know that I have a, like a real thoughtful answer about why, you know, I just, rem I just think about my own experience trying to learn how to write. And there were, you know, there was no Reddit. There was, there was no screenwriters discord, obviously. Um, those poor there, people. Yeah. You know, it was like so much more like flying blind. And I feel like we got really lucky that we wound up having a mentor who just like of his own <laughs> like uh goodness <laughs> decided i'll help these guys mm -hmm. um which he certainly didn't have to do and you know i think about how lost i we would have been without that um and it just seems like if i have something like that that i that i can offer and help people, then I'm, you know, happy to do it. Um, and I just mm -hmm. love reading scripts. And I also think that every script that I read, even if it's not great or needs, you know, a love in certain ways, I learn from it as well. You know, I think right, everything absolutely. that that isn't working is reinforcing ideas for me. And a lot of times, like my the major epiphanies that I've had about writing have come from reading amateur scripts and saying like, why isn't this working? And like having to, and, and also writing it down for people, like having to articulate, like not just um, have a gut feeling, but having to put it into words that someone else will be able to understand helps me to understand my own like gut feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so just that like process of decoding what is like happening in my subconscious when I'm having an adverse, an adverse reaction to something I'm reading, it has been so helpful and, um, you know, really helped me like codify for myself things that I know that I, at least I personally, not that I think are, these are like hard and fast rules or anything, but things that for me, like tell me when something is working for me or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So do you have any any advice on how to provide feedback to others on their screenplay? I mean, you should always try and be polite, I think. <laughs> um, you should, you know, that's something that is sometimes hard. Sometimes, you know, you read something that isn't working and for some reason you like get angry and you want to yell at a person and be like, what's wrong with you? Um, that's never good to do. <laughs> um, so uh you know it's always be cordial and be uh you know it's constructive in that way um but i think the big part of it is trying to understand what the person is like going for you know um like what is their goal and how close are they to their goal versus whatever you think a script should be or how things should go you know if they've made big choices um controversial choices you know which happens sometimes it's like you need to recognize that like okay this person is probably aware that like killing the protagonist halfway through the script is a controversial choice so like some people will love it some people will hate it but if that's like what they want to do then how can you work with them to do that? I mean, I think I would, I would say, this is what your choice makes me feel, but going beyond that, if that's what you want to do, I think you need to do X, Y, or Z to really sell it, you know, like things like that, like keep yeah. in mind really what their intentions are um, and try to support those intentions um, rather than, you know, Assert your own agenda mm -hmm. on, on whatever it is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So the next question actually comes from one of the members of our server. His name is Tyrion Draper. And okay. he asks, How closely do you work with your manager when developing the concept and writing the script? Or do you just bring them, uh, do you just bring it to them when you're finished? Um, it's not always the same, but um we definitely like run our concepts by our managers but if there's something that we feel really strongly about like we you know <laughs> have had a spec we had been working on for like a long time that 
you know, they were sort of lukewarm about, but we felt really passionately about. And so we just felt like we got to write this thing, even though they're not, you know, over the moon about it. And, you know, then sometimes, um, I'll bring stuff to them and they'll be like, we love it. You should do that. You know? Um, and then sometimes we do just write stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it's not always the same. Some ideas like there are most recent spec that we wrote um, that we just finished recently came from like a pitching process of where we had an opportunity to pitch something. And, you know, we got, we had to come up with an idea for a specific audience basically. Um, and through that process, we wound up with an idea that we thought was good and that th had some interest from like, you know, potential high profile director, you know, so we just were, everyone was just like, well, write that because <laughs> there's some momentum behind it already, you know? So, you know, it's like, it happens a lot of different ways, you know, but I, I think our managers in particular are not like super involved. I know some managers are like, they're going to get into the nitty gritty of like outlining and stuff like that with you. We are really like, if we're checking with them, we're like, here's a log line, here's a genre, you know, this is sort of like, here are some comps. What do you guys think? And if they're like, yeah, it sounds cool, then we'll do it. And then they won't see anything until the script is done, you know, and then, then we'll have a notes meeting with them on the draft. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I know that certain managers are like way more hands-on than that than ours are. So I think it can sort of run the gamut. Mm hmm Gotcha. Do you sometimes pitch like multiple log lines and see which one they gravitate to the most? Or it's always like one that you have in mind that you already are both really excited about and hoping they agree? Yeah, we don't do that generally. Um, we, I think because there are two of us, we like do that process ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. this because we just finished a spec. We've been doing this last, you know, a uh, couple of days just like, what are we going to write next? And we've got along, you know, I think every writer probably has a document with like a ton of ideas that we always go back to. And we're like, maybe it's time for this one, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, and we will just go through the pros and cons of the ideas and, you know, doing those things like the plus one idea or, you know, uh, the magic amulet thing and, and be like, what it, does this make sense? Is there, are there other comps that, or like it um, that we like and that have been successful. You know, is there a great character involved? Is there are there parts that people are going to want to play? You know, we've got sort of like checklist of things that we're looking for. Um, and then when we go through that whole process, by the time we've gotten it down to like an idea that we both are excited about. There isn't really too much left, except if they, if our managers have like a major objection, you know, like we're probably going to write it at that point, you know, but if we send it to them and they were like, you know, oh, we, we just heard this movie, a movie just like this is getting made or something like that, or, mm -hmm. you know, or just like, this is a terrible idea for these reasons that you guys missed, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but usually I don't, you know, that's really never happened, you know, so we're just pretty, I think we've gotten good at vetting stuff for ourselves at this point. Excellent. So what are you working on now? What's next for you? If you can tell us. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can't like get into super specific details about it, but we just finished a spec. Like I said, that um, came from a pitching process. Well, I, I can say certain things about it. We had an, uh, an opportunity to, to pitch an idea for that was supposed to be for a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> and so um, we came up with this, um, concept and with him in mind and people, we really liked it. And, um, our managers really liked it. Our agents really liked it. And there's a director who was attached, uh, which I probably shouldn't say and, um, to the Clint Eastwood project. And so we worked with him a little bit to develop it. Um, and we went and pitched it to Warner brothers. They passed, but, mm -hmm everyone he he the director still was like i really like this so if you guys spec it out then we can you know try to put together a package with him attached to it so that's like the we just finished this spec like you know a week ago or so so we're <clears throat> just in the process of getting that off the ground and you know we'll see how that goes and then of course we have our lionsgate 
uh, movie with Danny McBride's company uh, still in development that um, the, you know, the whole Corona virus situation has unfortunately, you know, derailed that scheduling wise um, as, as it has with every single um, uh, uh, Hollywood project. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so, still you know, happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's been the, probably the most encouraging thing is this would have been a, an ideal time for anyone involved to be like, let's can this project <laughs> <laughs> and they, and they haven't yet. So okay. um, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, you know, theoretically, whenever things get back to production that, um, should be moving forward. Um, and, you know, we'll just pretty much just keep writing specs, you know, and like I said, we're starting, we're hoping to start this production company, which, you know, one thing that has been like in the last six months, I'd say, uh, like a real focus of ours outside of writing has been trying to find writers to work with. That's actually one of the reasons I became a contest judge is because I'm, we're sort of actively seeking scripts to develop and writers to develop with in the same way that our mentor sort of works with us. Um, <clears throat> so that way we can have more projects going on because we can really only like write so many scripts a year, you know, and mm -hmm. um, uh, in a sort of producerial role, working with talented writers that we find that sort of have a shared sensibility, trying to get a script to a place that we feel comfortable with and we, you know, we are hoping to leverage whatever, you know, contacts we have at this point um, to sort of try and get some scripts for other people off the ground that we can produce. So that's like another project that we have going on outside of writing. That's awesome. Actually, I, I do have a question about that. Um, so is it possible for a screenwriter who submits to a contest that you're a judge for to have some success, like be, um, you know, noticed by you and contacted by you, even if they don't progress in the contest, if they don't make the quarterfinals, they don't make the semifinals, is that possible that they could actually get discovered or have some success? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I have not yet found a script um, where I have done that, but mm -hmm. it is my hope <laughs> that yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our, uh, mentor Dwayne, um, I know just, um, from him telling me that he has done that, you know, um, mm -hmm. he has found scripts through contests that did not win that he has reached out to the writer and helped get set up. So that was sort yeah. of like another way we got this idea because that's what he did with us too. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's definitely possible. Okay. Um, you know, it's like I say this all the time to people. It's like people think that the industry is like against them, that everyone wants their scripts to fail um, <laughs> and they want to find reasons to throw scripts in the garbage. But it's not true. Like just having put on this producer hat, like, has really opened my eyes to the desperation <laughs> that producers mm -hmm. feel in just like they want good material so 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 badly mm -hmm. um and whatever people think are reasons that their scripts are getting passed on i mean it's possible obviously that it's just not a, it could be a, a great uh, script that is just in front of the wrong audience but like mm -hmm. generally people read good scripts they get excited you know and they mm -hmm. want to become a champion of that script so that's why i always tell people like if your writing is really up to par and you're doing your like due diligence of getting your scripts out into the world by contests or the blacklist website or whatever avenues there are pitch fests even which is obviously you know is how we got in um people will find good writing and support it and help you like they, they really want to help you um yeah. but the you know this the writing just has to be there yeah 
That's great. Well, hopefully that gives a lot of our listeners hope. Um, we are out of time now, but Scott, if you don't mind sticking around, I have a few more fun questions I'd love to ask you, which will be available to our VIP members only as bonus content. But for now, tell everyone where they can learn more about you. Do you have a website? What's your Twitter? <laughs> I don't really use Twitter. I do have one. It's just my name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I have a website for my music, <laughs> which is, um, you know, like I said, I had a whole other career as a musician before getting into screenwriting. Um, if anyone wants to see that. Yeah, I give can. us that one. It's, uh, <laughs> it's scottbarkinmusic.com. Um, right. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I have really, since the writing has taken off, the music has taken a backseat um, in recent years. Um, so, yeah, we don't really have, we don't have a website, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Our hope one day we'll have this production company website probably if we ever find a script that we want to produce. <laughs> have you grabbed um, the domain name name yet? No, we should. Yeah, yeah. We really should. You should get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, sweet. Well, thanks again for joining us, Scott. It was a pleasure having you. Listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, share it on social media. Join the Discord server and consider supporting us on Patreon so you can get access to that sweet, sweet bonus content. I'm your host, Smish, saying peace out and keep on writing. <laughs> <laughs>